Julie, welcome back to Saltier Politics. It's so good to speak to you again. I just kind of want to kick it off. You had this pretty much fire tweet thread about democratic messaging. And I want you to explain it because it's something that I know working at Fox that I've learned how effective the GOP is and that kind of machine is at messaging. But could you go into that? So I've been really salty the last few days, um, which is interesting considering the name of this podcast, but I've been very salty about this because it's so apparent to me that the Democratic Party is being out-messaged, in some cases outmaneuvered for generations. I mean, let's go back to the fact, and this really all began with Roe versus Wade potentially being overturned, but even prior to that, you and I have had these discussions offline and I'm just, I'm at the point now where I'm kind of ready to explode about it. Roe versus Wade is about to be overturned despite the fact that a majority of the people in this country don't want it to be. And despite the fact that the majority of the people in this country did not vote for presidents, who appointed the justices who are about to overturn it. And so this this diatribe I'm about to go on is actually not about abortion. It's about just how good the Republicans are, or I should say just how bad the Democrats are at creating an ecosystem that would have prevented this from happening. You know, Roe versus Wade is exactly the same age as I am. Uh, it, was, it was decided in 1973, which is when I was born. So it's almost 50 years old. And for the last 50 years, Republicans have done incredible work to get to this point. First and foremost, uh, the Federalist Society, which is uh, an organization that basically vets conservative judges and puts them on all sorts of benches, right? From state benches, state courts, to federal courts, to ultimately the Supreme Court, began to vet these judges to ensure that one day something like this could happen that they would effectively take over the Supreme Court to, and, 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 and rule in a way that really is very much in line with the political thinking of the Federalist Society and in line with the thinking of the Republican Party. Democrats don't have a Federalist Society. We just don't. I, I'm a little bit involved and have been just because I've worked for senators uh, on and off for, for so long in, in how judges get picked and federal judges get picked. And there's not really a governing philosophy to it from what I can tell on the Democratic side. Whereas Republicans have a governing philosophy and they've been very clear about what that philosophy is for the last two generations. And then you take something like GOPAC, which was first launched by Newt Gingrich back in the 90s, if not earlier, but GOPAC exists today, uh, run, I think still run by, by my old friend David Avila, who basically runs GOPAC to ensure that there are state legislatures that become Republican and state legislators who get elected, who have a certain governing philosophy. Their job is to effectively elect as many Republicans at the state level as possible, the legislative level. Those legislatures in turn have a tremendous amount of influence in drawing congressional districts, which allow them to gerrymander districts uh, in states that might necessarily not be Republican, except that they've drawn congressional districts that are outsized Republican compared to what um, the population there would like to see as a whole. They are um, on the cusp of electing legislators who in the next election may potentially overturn the will of the voters in some of their own states, the way Donald Trump demanded they do two years ago. And there's no go pack on the Democratic side. There's something called the Democratic Leadership Campaign Committee. Uh, you know, I've run caucus campaigns in the past, and I can tell you they don't really have much to do with 
with electing people at the state level, uh, at the legislative level, the way GOPAC does. What, how did, I guess, when did the Democrats start becoming so weak or so bad at this? Or did they take something for granted that the Republicans did not? I don't think the Democrats have the first clue as to what's been going on. And I don't know who the Democrats are, right? Like there's this amorphous the Democrats. It's not like the Democrats get on a conference call every day and decide what they're going to do with their lives. I mean, I wish they kind of did, but they don't. And then you add to that the fact that, you know, I, I, I was watching Rachel Maddow a couple of nights ago and I was just shaking my head and I'm thinking, who is this show for? It is for people who want to feel like they're quote unquote smart, right? You want to be the smartest person in the room. Oh, well, let me let me listen to what Rachel Maddow said. But the reality is it takes her about 40 minutes to get to her point. The point is inevitably about Donald Trump, who, by the way, is not on the ballot this year. She's kind of preaching to the choir. And by the time she got to her point, people have either switched the channel or put their kids to bed or whatever else they're doing. Sean Hannity, God bless him, was up against her on Fox in the nine o'clock hour. Probably got to about six different points by that time in the first 40 minutes. And has already scared the bejesus out of his constituents, who are translation his viewers. So much so that those people can't wait to get fired up and go vote. And can I note that having worked at both MSNBC and Fox, like even the graphics for Fox, not only does he make six points, but also he puts them very clearly on screen so the average viewer can simply regurgitate them. Yeah, exactly right. You don't need to have a maze to get to his point. You don't need to be like, oh, I need somebody to explain this to me. Okay, now I get it. No, he just tells them what to think. It takes about 30 seconds, scares them into thinking it, and they're off to the races. And that's how you mobilize people with a message, right? And I, and I said this in my tweet, and God knows I have no reason to love Roger Ailes, but I did work for him for quite a long time. And I can tell you in, in conversations that I used to have with him, what struck me about him is that he thought like a political operative because that's exactly who he was. Roger Ailes started out as a political operative. I mean, he started out on TV, but he became a political operative. And he spent an awful lot of time getting people elected, whether it was Richard Nixon or the first George Bush. And he knows exactly how to appeal to voters, not viewers, voters or how to turn those viewers into voters. Now, you may say that's not the job of MSNBC. That's not the job of liberal media. It may not be. But barring any kind of messaging operation from the Democratic Party at large, that's all the Democratic Party's got, and it's not good. And with all due respect, everybody's sitting there raving about Jen Psaki and how incredible she is. And she's she is. She's a very good White House press secretary. But where do her moments go viral? They go viral when she takes on Steve Ducey. Steve Ducey of Fox News. Who does that help? It helps Steve Ducey. Does that help one Democrat think about, huh, okay, I'm watching this very viral moment from the White House podium, and now I'm going to go vote because somehow the White House has made it clear to me how my life is going to improve because of the policies they're espousing. No, they're watching her take on Peter Ducey, and they're saying, okay, all right, whatever. She showed him, great. Or he showed her, great. Who cares? Constantly reactive, consistently playing defense, always letting others set the terms of the debate, constantly showing that you're the smartest person in the room. 
No, exactly. And the whole thing is it's playing to like the democratic policy wants. Like you and I who will watch the news all the time and be like, oh, this is fun to watch. But that's it. My friends who have jobs in the city who are very smart people, they're not like, oh, let me click on the on Mediate to watch Jen Psaki's back and forth with Peter Ducey. The only people who are doing this are news people or like really like political wonks. People might turn on Rachel Maddow and that means to signal her out. It's actually the whole infrastructure because they want to feel smarter about something. They want to learn something. People turn on Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson to get mobilized to get energized, to get scared enough where they feel like if they don't vote, something really bad's gonna happen to them. And I don't see that happening. I don't know what the message is coming from this White House. All I heard about is some almost trillion dollar infrastructure plan, but they never, ever, ever talk about the fact that, I don't know, I'm gonna make this up, Susan Wilde, right? Who's, a, who's um, an endangered Congresswoman in Eastern Pennsylvania. Instead of talking about how there's a multi, multi-billion dollar infrastructure plan where people's head is about to explode because all they can think about is how much government is spending, why not say, hey, in her district, in Congresswoman Wilde's district, you know that road in Hellertown, Pennsylvania, that's been destroyed for the last 10 years and you've blown, I don't know how many tires riding over it, and I'm completely making this up because I have no idea if such a road exists in Hellertown, Pennsylvania, but you know that road, thanks to the money that she's bringing back that road is gonna be paved. You know that traffic that you're sitting on on Route 78 trying to get to work in Allentown every day? We're gonna expand that road. And in fact, I don't know if they are, but hypothetically, we're gonna expand that road so you don't have to sit in traffic anymore. So you can get home to see your kids play Little League or you can get home to make dinner for your family or you can get to work on time. Why don't we communicate with people and meet them where they are? They just want their lives to be made a little easier. Why are we always talking about these quote unquote big ideas? To show that we're Rhodes Scholars, to show that we went to Harvard. Who cares? Completely agree. Like, And also the GOP machine knows how to say why you should be scared. But if the Democrats could just very simply say in kind of the same way, how we can help you or what we can do, I mean, that could make all the difference. I got to tell you, I sat in a few focus groups a few months ago with I, some of the, some of them were with actual primary Democratic voters. There's no woke thought to any of them. These are not people who, by and large, are like sitting there thinking about woke things. By the way, they're not people who are sitting there worried about Donald Trump either. You know what they're worried about? They want to make sure their kid can afford to go to college. They want to make sure that they don't have to, as I said earlier, swap out their tires in order to get to work every couple months because there are potholes that they go out over all the time. Who is setting what? And, and, and by the way, it's not that I think the Democratic Party is potentially that woke as a whole. In fact, I don't think it is. It's that the reason people think it is, is because we're letting the other side determine what the message is and we're reacting to it where joe biden has to stand up there at the state of the union and say repeatedly i don't want to defund the police well who the hell thinks he does want to defund the police you know why he has to react to that because the other side has out messaged him and now he has to play defense 
Does anybody on earth really think that Joe Biden wants to defund the police? Is there any part of Joe Biden's history that made anybody think he's somehow this woke guy who wants to defund the police? No. But he has to spend precious time and resources playing defense consistently against a minority party who does not represent the view of the majority of this country as evidenced by the fact that they haven't won plurality of the vote or majority of the vote, popular vote, and I don't know how long, since George Bush in 2004. But they're constantly getting out message, constantly playing defense. And I'm so sick of it. And that's, it's made me so salty uh, that I, I just, I, you know, I finally had to explode on Twitter about this. I hate criticizing my own party. I've devoted almost 30 years of my life to getting Democrats elected. But you wonder why Roe versus Wade is getting overturned? Because while everybody decided to put on their quote unquote pussy hats and go marching, these guys did something much more difficult. They mobilized. They mobilized. It's not that they marched. They elected people who were going to put justices in place, who were going to overturn Roe versus Wade, and they've accomplished it. You know what our side's doing? Oh, let's march. Let's, let's come up with more signs. Let's have another march on Washington. Let's get on our buses. Let's put on some pussy hats. If that makes you feel good, fantastic. But just be really cognizant of the fact that it's not going to change a damn thing. And, and the implications of this are massive because it, it starts with Roe versus Wade being overturned, but then, you know, gay marriage. And it will just continually be these these issues that Republicans can just out message on and out scare their base on who will act and who will go to the voting booth. Well, and let me just say this, by the way, it's not like Republicans have run on. Uh, Texas is a great example, right? Texas now has a law in place that after a very, very, very limited period of time, probably before you even know that you're pregnant, you cannot get an abortion, right? Most, most women don't even realize that they're pregnant until about two months in. By that point, it's too late to get an abortion in Texas. There are no exemptions for incest or rape. There was a poll conducted in Texas not long ago where even among a majority of Republicans, that exemption for no uh, incest or rape was something that was anathema to them. Even most Republicans in Texas want to see an exemption. But you know what Republicans don't do? They don't campaign on it. They don't campaign on it. They campaign on issues that voters actually care about. And then when they get in power, they do this kind of stuff. But it's not what they talk about. It's not, they're not going to talk about eradicating gay marriage. You know why? It's probably not going to benefit them. They're going to put justices in there that do it, who have a very specific judicial philosophy. Is this a surprise to anybody? That Amy, Amy Coney Barrett or that Brett Kavanaugh or, or, or Sam Alito voted to overturn Roe versus Wade? I mean, why is this a shock to anybody? We knew what we were getting when they, when they were nominated. But it's not what Republicans campaign about unless they campaign with evangelicals, right? It's not what they campaign about to the vast majority of their constituency. They just do it. Whereas Democrats right now are going to start campaigning on Roe versus Wade, and I'm going to tell you right now, a mistake. A mistake. Because most women don't sit around worrying about getting an abortion every day. They do sit around, not just women, men too, sit around, as I said earlier, worrying about how to pay for gas, pay for college, pave those roads, keep their family safe, right? That's what you campaign on. And then when you get in office, 
by the way, you do what Republicans do. You reinstate Roe versus Wade. You reinstate abortion rights. Did the Democrats have a chance to kind of build this infrastructure when Obama was elected with kind of the grassroots movement? It's not about Barack Obama. It's not about Bill Clinton. It's not about Joe Biden. It's not about Jimmy Carter. It's not about the next person who comes along. Hillary Clinton, you know, I don't care who it is. Brad Pitt, I don't care who's running. It's not about that. Because the Republican infrastructure has existed irrespective of who their president was, even irrespective of Donald Trump, right? Actually, that's an excellent point because as you were, we, when we were having uh, breakfast, you were talking about how it didn't matter that Donald Trump was elected, but already the judges for him to appoint were already in place. So he didn't really have to think. He just reacted to this structure. Of course, of course. By the way, it's not like Donald Trump nominated somebody who George Bush wouldn't have nominated or Mitt Romney wouldn't have nominated. They all would have nominated these judges because the infrastructure was already there. The Federalist Society had already vetted and provided a list of these judges and all Donald Trump was chose from one of them. That's all he did. And before that, that's all George Bush did. And before that, that's all the other George Bush did. That's what Reagan did and so on and so on. And so will the next Republican. It doesn't matter if it's Donald Trump. It doesn't matter who it is. Think about the fact that most legislatures in this country are Republican. The majority of the people in the state do not vote Republican. And yet their legislatures overwhelmingly are. I mean, look at Florida, for example, with the gun laws coming into place. It, it's horrific. And now the gun laws are even weaker and weaker and weaker. And it's not the will of Floridians who would want common sense gun legislation. Well, the thing about Florida, Florida is a fantastic example. Florida's basically gone to the Democratic Party. And you know why, in large part? Latinos are soon to be gone to the Democratic Party because there are completely asinine politicians out there that when they look at Latino voters, they think they want to hear about the border or they want to hear about free tuition, in-state tuition for college for the undocumented, or they want to talk about, you know, driver's license for the undocumented. And you know what most Latinos, if you sit in focus groups, what they say about that? Why do I care about that? I've been in this country for six generations. Talk to me about, again, how I'm going to be able to put my kid through college, how I'm going to be able to fill up my gas tank. You talk to African-American voters, you know who doesn't want to hear about defunding the police? African-American voters. They just don't. Because guess who has to deal with crime? If you think about people who have to deal with crime, it's African-American voters, even more than white voters in a lot of places. They don't want to defund anything. They want their families to be kept safe. So what are we talking about? Why are we constantly pigeonholing people based on their ethnicity or based on their race or based on anything else? And because you're overlooking the nuances too, because like, for example, a lot of different Hispanic communities don't want to talk about immigration. That's not their first concern. It's um, not even their 10th concern. And by the way, a lot of Hispanic communities don't even consider themselves to be people of color. You know, Think about what you're saying to people. And you look at the Democratic Party. Is there, you know, for example, as much money within the Democratic machine as there is in the Republican machine to kind of get all of these people elected and to get them? Of course there forward? is, but nobody's harnessing it. Okay. Of course there is. Because what Democrats do is they fall in love, right? There was that great Bill Clinton line. Democrats fall in love, Republicans fall in line. And he's so he's so right. Until, I mean... Donald Trump came along when they all fell in love with him, the Republicans. But nevertheless, it doesn't matter. I mean, as much as Trump thinks he's riding 
the tiger, the tiger is kind of riding him, right? Because the infrastructure already existed. He's just the useful quote unquote idiot who made all their dreams come true. That's why Mitch McConnell went along with all of his nonsense. Because what did he do? He made all of Mitch McConnell's dream come true. Mitch McConnell wanted a Republican Supreme Court and he got one. One that was gonna do what John Roberts did, which was basically get rid of any kind of voter protection so that more Republicans could get elected. One that overturned Roe versus Wade. He did it. He gave them the court that they want. I mean, Ann Coulter used to say this for years. I remember seeing her Fox and she used to say this for years. She doesn't care. She said 10, 20, 30, I don't remember how long ago I had this conversation with her in the green room. All I care about is the court. That's all that matters. And she was right. What did Democrats do? They fell in love with a guy named Barack Obama. Okay, now Barack Obama's gone. What do you have to show for it? I guess the democratic messaging just needs to get stronger. And does that start from the top? Does it start from the bottom? Is it is it Well, they're both? not doing it. That's right. the problem. They're not doing it. Of course, it should start from the top and the bottom, but nobody's doing it. The frustration that I have and that a lot of people have, I mean, they're going to see record low turnout among Democrats this year because nobody's explaining to them what they should even bother voting for because there's no message out there. What is in the ballot is a contrast between the kind of vision that they have and the kind of vision Republicans have. The problem is they haven't been able to explain that vision to anybody. It's messaging. It's, I don't, you know, if I had George Soros money or Elon Musk money, who of course is not a good actor in all of this, but if I had unlimited amounts of money, you know what I would do? I would start the Democratic Go Pack. I would start electing Democrats at the legislative level. I would take legislatures back. Yeah. I'd fund a Federalist Society type organization for Democrats that would vet potential people for state courts, district courts, appellate courts, the Supreme Court, and have an infrastructure in there to get them placed. You know, there are people like James Carville out there who get it, but nobody listens to them anymore because they're quote unquote, not woke. Enough of this nonsense. I'm tired of losing. I don't understand. These people, it's like these people would rather be righteous than, than win. Like you want to sit there and be righteous and talk about Donald Trump on your TV show for the next 30 minutes, 40 minutes? Great. Congratulations. Oh, you're so smart. You put all these things together. Wow. Let's go back to the 19th century and discuss how that, you know, how decisions then got us to this place. Because then in turn, then you can just like the Republicans are doing these horrible social issues, whether it be abortion or soon to probably be gay rights, you can then on the de on the other side of the coin for the Democrats, then you can move the woke issues forward by getting that infrastructure and getting those judges in place. I don't even think anybody wants woke stuff. Like, I don't even know what woke is. It's another term that I think Republicans have turned against Democrats, but nobody's going to nobody's going to defund the police. They don't want to. I guess just shift funding towards you know, after school programs or different educational programs as opposed things, to just things that people actually support. But the problem is that we're going to sit around and we're going to, I'm going to, you know, people, people are getting ready to march as we speak. And that's great. But if you, there's only 24 hours in a day and your choice is either to spend those 24 hours marching or electing some really unglamorous legislature or legislator in the middle of Ohio or Pennsylvania or Georgia or Arizona, guess what you should do? Like, yeah, you're not going to be among your own kind of people. It's not, you're not going to be reinforced of, you know, oh my God, this is awful. Let's march. You're not going to do that. You're not going to get a trip to Washington out of it. But what you're going to do is actually make sure that you do something to move the needle. Go make some phone calls on behalf of some legislator somewhere.
send the money that you would have spent on your trip to DC to some legislative candidate somewhere. It's depressing as hell. I mean, I'm so tired of losing because that's the end result. The end result is that people I know who are going to want to have a baby, but will be able to not have a baby for, because won't be able to have a baby, even though they want to, because that baby is severely disabled or this person got raped, they won't be able to terminate that pregnancy now. Mm -hmm. Friends I have who are married, who are gay, will soon probably have their marriages annulled. That is a chilling thought. And that is why we must create an ecosystem where we fight to win. And, and that's really like the theme of this because the implications will impact everyone's daily life. And the problem is that nobody's thinking in that way. I still don't know what the message is for the, from the Democratic Party going to the midterms this year. We're gonna, Republicans are going to take away, what, your rights to an abortion. Okay, well, most people don't sit around worrying about those rights mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Republicans are going to take away the rights of your gay friends to get married. Okay, well, my marriage is still solid, so who cares, right? Like, things like that are not going to appeal to voters. I mean, social issues don't work. And all Republicans do is use them to detract from the really horrific implications of their policies, right? There's a reason why they'd rather talk about trans athletes than they do about anything else. They want to distract. Look at the shiny object over here. One day your child may be competing in the Olympics against somebody who was uh, who identifies as a woman, but we think really is a man. How many people really believe their children are gonna be competing against somebody in the Olympics at all, never mind against a person like that. But it's what they use to scare and to detract and to say your life is changing, your way of life is changing, everything you knew to be quote unquote normal is changing. That it's not a tough, for what they're doing is not a tough formula. Meanwhile, the people who are really destroying the norms in this country are the very same people screaming loudest about those norms being destroyed, the Republican party, Donald Trump's Republican party. I think, I think that is, the the most poignant message and that is that is what we close this up on well julie this has been quite a saltier politics and i would agree that... so don't ask me what i'm salty about because you just heard it yep <laughs> and there it is um this was extremely enlightening and i took away about like five different bullet points from this talk and i think this is something that democrats really as each issue comes up, it will be important, I think, even for us on this pod, too, to discuss what the messaging, what a better message would be for Democrats. Yeah. Depressing. All right, Em. Um, Till next time. It's been real. All right. Talk to you soon, Julie.